today we are having our last message on pray first and it's part of our heart for the kingdom emphasis that we're going to be having literally for the whole year you know when Jesus began to preach this was his message his message was repent and literally he said rethink your life in some translations because the kingdom of God is here and then for the next three and a half years Literally everything Jesus did was showing how or teaching how to live in the kingdom. When he arose from the dead, the Bible says in the book of Acts that he spent 40 days with his disciples talking to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Jesus always talked about the kingdom. And we can really say that his most intense teaching on the kingdom of God is found in what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And it's in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the places where Jesus teaches on the subject of prayer. Right? And prayer is really how the kingdom of God that is in heaven comes down to earth. It's through prayer. It was John Wesley who said, it seems that God never does anything for humanity unless someone prays and asks him to. You know, and it's in prayer that we have fellowship with God, that we connect with God, that we get in touch with a supernatural God. You know, there is only, there, the, every one of us, we run into to times into situations where they are beyond our ability to control. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? And we need help. We need supernatural help. Now, if you want to know God's plan, all you need to do is go back to the beginning, go to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are there. God comes down every day and walks and talks with Adam and Eve. Now, how many of you know we're talking to God? That's prayer. And, and literally, that was the relationship that they had with God. That is the relationship that God wants us to have with him today. Right? God intends for our lives to be naturally supernatural. Naturally supernatural. Now, when the children of Israel are in the desert, there is nothing for them to eat. The Bible says that God rains down manna. Uh, in the book of Psalms, in one place it says that God gave them the corn from heaven. Another translation says the bread of heaven. So I just figure it's cornbread, right? But they ate every day for 40 years. God's raining this bread down. They just go out, they pick it up. But the day they crossed the river and came into the promised land, then the manna ceased on that day after they'd eaten of the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. So once they came into a place where there was provision, God said, you go sow the land, you reap the harvest, you fertilize, you do what you, do what you can do. But when they needed supernatural help, God was there with the supernatural. All right? There's a natural part of our life. But when things go beyond what we can do, God has the supernatural. Now it's in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16. It says rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now let me just mention something on that 18th verse. It says in everything give thanks, but not for everything. 
Because God is not the author of everything that shows up. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, to resist the devil. Right? Not everything that happens in your life came from God. Right? How many know there is a devil? He is alive and well on planet Earth. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So we don't thank God for sickness, for disease. We don't thank God for the things the enemy comes with. But in the middle of whatever situation we're in, we can thank God. We can thank him that he loves us, that he's for us, that through him we can have victory in any situation. So when it says to pray without ceasing, it's not saying pray 24 hours a day. But it's saying pray about everything and don't give up. Pray about everything and don't give up. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not give up, not lose heart. Right? You know, we've got that bracelet on, at least I do. You know, it says pray first, then a hashtag H4TK, heart for the kingdom. But it's to remind us to pray first. Right? Now, here's what I believe. Having been in Christian circles for over 40 years, full-time ministry, how long? 40 years. I thought I'd never say that. Here's the great thing. Once you've been in ministry for 40 years, you can say anything. You know, when you're young, people, oh, I don't think they're right out there. You know, everybody's criticizing everything you say. But once you've been around a while, you can just say anything you want. I love this. This is a great period of life. All right. But here's what I've noticed. All right. It's, it's about 10% of Christians that enjoy praying. And the rest of us know we should. And we want to, but it's hard. And so a lot of times we don't. We've got the desire, right? So what we need at that point is we need some discipline. But if you will discipline yourself, it will become a delight. It will become a delight. Now, last week, we took a look at the Lord's Prayer and how they're headings for prayer. It's, it's a great prayer to pray, but it's supposed to be more than pr just prayed. And again, for example, the, uh, it, the Jesus is teaching and he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. All right? Well, what we're supposed to do right there is stop and forgive everybody who sinned against you. And you say, well, nobody sinned against me today. Well, that's because the day is young. Before the day's over, somebody will. In fact, Jesus said, every time that you pray, forgive, forgive. All right? So what I want to do today is I want to just give you five prayer ideas, five things that will strengthen your prayer life. And again, the first one, Jesus said, Luke 18, then he spoke this parable to them that men ought always to pray, not lose heart and not give up. Number one is this. Let prayer be your first response, not your last response. No matter what comes your way, prayer should be the first response. We've all heard somebody say this. Well, what you say, what can we do? And they say, all you can do is pray. We're desperate. I mean, we're down to prayer. That's it. Like when you, when you got to pray, you know, it's really, really bad. Right? No, that shouldn't be it. Prayer should be our first response. Christianity is not just about Sunday. It's supposed to be about every day. 
24-7. Pray about every area. Pray about your kids. Pray about your job. Pray about your marriage. Pray about your, your finances. Pray about the decisions that you need to make. Right? When you get up in the morning, still in bed, first thing ought to be, Lord, thank you for today. Right? I pray that you lead us, that you guide us today. And I think of your angels are camp round about us and they deliver us and defend us today. At breakfast, you're giving thanks for that meal. You're praying on your way to work. You get to work and you say, God, help me do my best today. Going into a meeting, give me favor, give me wisdom today. I'm going to make a purchase. Say, God, is this, the, is this the thing that I should be doing? Is this what I should be investing in? Bring God into everything. In Genesis chapter 5, it says that Enoch lived 65 years and he begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God for 300 years. He had sons and daughters and all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not because God took him. Now he walked with God. They're out one day. Enoch's walking with God. He's talking with God. But who knows what about? And Enoch grabs his phone and goes, God, it's late. I got to get home. And God says, you know, we're closer to my house than yours. Choo! Took him to heaven. He's still there. He is still there. All right. The Bible says that he took him, that he would not see death. You know? And when you get to heaven, by the way, Enoch will find, and you read about me in the Bible. You can go, oh yeah, I heard about you. Yep. Pastor Dwayne preached about you. And I know you're in Genesis chapter five. But now here's what he did. He walked with God. Right? He walked with God. Adam and Eve, they walked with God. Right? That's what we're supposed to do. All right? Everything that we do, we should, we're supposed to be talking to God. Right? Prayer should not be an event. It should be an attitude in our heart and something we live every single day. Walking with God. God, I need wisdom. God, I need your protection. God, I need you to bless my kids. Right? The Bible says, one translation says this, 1 Thessalonians 5, never stop praying. You know, just in every situation. We talked last week about Nehemiah. He's in front of the king. If the, if, if the king doesn't like what he says, he's going to cut his head off. And the Bible says, and he answered the king and prayed to God. That, it, it, prayers can be short. His prayer was, help! It was that, but meaning he was even praying. It was silent. It was a silent prayer because he's answering the king and at the same time he's saying to God. You know, he's kind of like a woman, can do two things at once. I don't do very good at that myself. Right? Smith Wigglesworth, I seldom pray more than 20 minutes, but he says, I seldom go 20 minutes without praying. Right? What we need to do is we need to remain, we need to abide. Right? Your, your spiritual life should not be about an hour in church on Sunday morning. Right? God does not want to be a Sunday God. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We cannot do anything of eternal significance apart from him. But what Jesus said is, he says, you abide in me. You abide. Again, prayer is not an event. Right? It's a part of our life. It's our attitude. We're abiding. You know, when you're abiding, it says you bear much fruit. And it's literally talking about prayer fruit. But when you're abiding, your parenting is going to be better. When you're abiding, you're going to manage your money better. 
When you're abiding, your marriage is going to be better. When you're abiding, everything is going to be better when we're abiding. So first of all, make prayer first response. Number two, make prayer a priority. Make it a priority. Now, I know what lots of people are thinking. I don't have time. I don't have time. But the truth is, you, we do not have time not to pray. Now, I want you to listen. Proverbs 3. My son, don't forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days, long life, and peace they will add to you. Length of days, long life, and peace. You take time to be with God, and God says, length of days, he says, I'll give you a long life, and he says, and I'll give you peace. Now, length of days and long life are not the same. When the Bible says length of days, this is what it means. It means God will bless your day so you get more in your day. How many of you wish days had 30 hours? Because you just can't do it. You can't get the stuff done. So this is when it says length of days, it says God's saying, I will bless what you do so you get more done in your day. I remember reading about John Wesley who said, I have so much to do today. I'm not going to pray two hours. I'm going to pray four. It seemed like, well, that'd be counterproductive. But he's saying, I spend more time with God. God blesses my day more and I get more done because God's blessing it. So he says, first of all, he'll bless your day. He said, you'll get more done in your day if you'll take time with me. Then he says, long life. How many are good for that? Right? And, 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 and not, you know, not 85 sitting in a wheelchair slobbering. But good life. All right. And then he said, and peace, peace, they'll add to you. Peace. How many could use some peace? All right. We're, we're living in such a tumultuous time. We need peace. Right. So make it a priority. Put it first. And remember this. God blesses what you do first. First things in the Bible are always blessed. And what you do with the first puts blessing on the rest. That's why, for example, the Bible says to take the first tenth and sow it into the kingdom of God. And then God says, I will bless the rest. Because what you do with the first, he said, it sanctifies, makes special the rest. Right? So that's why we take the first 21 days. Right? And we worship God. We seek God. Those first 21 days, spend time in prayer. Those first 21 days, what you do first is important. That's why in the morning, before I get out of bed, I'm saying, God, I love you. I thank you for this day. God, I ask you to lead me, guide me today. Right? Make this day a blessing to the kingdom of God. Right? So you're thanking God for the day before you ever get out of bed. Right? Uh, the early church actually stopped worshiping on Saturday and to begin to worship on Sunday for two reasons. First of all, Jesus arose on Sunday. They were celebrating the resurrection. But secondly, they wanted it to be the first day and not the last day, right? First things are blessed things, right? So we put it in our schedule. And again, I recommend, now there's some people, they aren't very good in the morning. And they, they need five cups of coffee. And praise God, today is the last day of the fast. <laughs> Tomorrow morning, 
coffee. Faith without coffee is dead. And, and I'm having some coffee tomorrow morning. First thing. All right. So <laughs> it, it, it's good. Get yourself that time. Now, listen, this is Daniel chapter six. It says, now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, they had made a law that if you prayed to anyone except the king, you're going to be thrown into a lion's den. He went home. He opened the upper room with his window open towards Jerusalem, knelt down on his knees, and he prayed three times that day and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since his early days. So Daniel had a habit, and three times every day, he would go to a specific place, and he would pray in that place. Now, that habit is what made Daniel great. It made him great. You, know, the, the, you, you never change your life till you change what you do every day. You know that, don't you? I can have a piece of cheesecake tomorrow, but I can't have cheesecake every day. Right? You can do something once in a while, it won't change you. But what you do daily, it will change your life. And if you will build prayer into your life every day, it will change your life. And it made Daniel great. You know, I, I often have people want to meet with me, early, you know, quite early in the morning. And I always say the same thing. I said, I've got an appointment. Now, my appointment's with God. Right? They think I've got somebody else, but I don't want to tell them. Right? They might be affronted. They think, well, God can wait, but he can't. And I can't. Right? Just build it into your day. Make it a priority. And remember, when you, when you do that, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, you've got to stay focused there because everything is going to seem important that's not important when you're praying. Everything that you have not done in the last six months will come to your mind when you pray. Who you have to call, who you have to email, everything you've got to do. And as I said before, even boiled cold Brussels sprouts in the refrigerator will look good. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm praying and like the refrigerator said, I've got Brussels sprouts. Who wants cold boiled Brussels sprouts with nothing on them? Nobody. But man, when they searched that, I, I mean, my mind was like, oh, Brussels sprouts. You know, you got to stay focused on prayer. Number three. All right. A place of prayer and a place where you study your Bible. Jesus said to go into your prayer closet. You know, it might be a chair. It might be in your bedroom. It might be in your car. But have a place. The ambiance is really, it's, it's important. Jesus, often the Bible says, went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Why did he go there? Beautiful place. No distractions. Another time it says that he rose early in the morning, long before daylight. And he went out and departed to a solitary place and he prayed there. He found a place where he would be able to connect with God without interruptions. Again, Daniel, three times a day, he'd go to the upper room in his house, open that window and pray. Moses, the Bible says, pitched a tent outside the camp and he would go and pray. And every time he would, the Bible says that the glory cloud would come down on that tent, right? Uh, Susanna Wesley, again. Now, now, this lady's got 19 kids, all right? And she said 
the only place she could find to pray, she would take her apron and put it over her head. Because when you got 19 kids, there is no place you can hide. You just, you, you, you know, but she said, I had to get where I was not focused on everything that was going on around me, all of the distractions, right? So find that place, find the place of prayer, right? Then have a prayer plan, have a plan. And you say, what, what do you mean by that? Well, we talked last week about taking the Lord's prayer and using the headings in the Lord's prayer. Again, it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Well, if that's all you pray, you didn't forgive anybody. You're supposed to stop right there and say, who offended me? Who did something, right? Who do I need to forgive? Jesus said, every time that you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. It's supposed to be a part of our prayer every time we pray that we check our heart and we forgive that person, right? So the Lord's Prayer is an excellent model prayer. Then there's prayers that are found all through the New Testament. In fact, in the Old Testament as well, all right? Great prayers. Now, here's the thing about these prayers. They're inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, when you and I see somebody and we know something's not right, we may say, you know, Lord, help them. Lord, give them grace. You know, Lord, surround them with some people that'll befriend them and, and strengthen them. We can say a few things like that and we can pray. But how about praying something like this? He said, I don't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding or your heart are opened, that you can know the hope of his calling, what God's plan is for your life. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is it that Jesus purchased for you at the cross? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power at work in us and through us, according to the working of his mighty power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead? Now, how many of you know that's a different kind of prayer? You're praying for God to do something on the inside. For revelation, you know, I come by and I just, I encourage you, you know, that, that, that's inspiration. But sometimes what you need is you need revelation. You need information that changes everything. How many of you know it's what you think that changes things? It's what you think. It's what you believe. It's those thoughts that make a difference. And he's saying, God, give them revelation of who they are in Christ. Give them revelation of the power that's available to them. Give them revelation about what Jesus did at the cross that belongs to them today so they can have victory today. Now, that prayer is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and God wants to answer that prayer. You pray that prayer, God will answer that prayer. So, so have a plan, have a plan, right? I'm going to go through the Lord's prayer and then I'm going to add Ephesians one and Philippians one, and I'm going to put Psalms 23. I'm going to pray Psalms 23 and, and I'm going to pray Ephesians three, See, but have a plan of what you're going to do, right? Now I want to recommend that you always have something nearby where, you, you know, have a tablet there, have some paper and a pencil there, because when you pray, God talks to you. You know, a lot of times people think, well, prayer is just my talking to God. No, it's not. He shows up and he starts talking back, right? And, and you need to write things down. I cannot tell you how many things I have missed because I did not write things down, right? And then lastly, the persons of prayer. 
And I'm talking about God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Prayer is connecting with God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each one, they're different. Their, their personality is different. And we relate to them different. And, and really, the reason that some people do not have an effective prayer life, it's their view of God. They don't see God correctly. Your view of God, which you believe about God, determines your relationship with God. And some of, we got a lot of religious ideas. Right? Um, a lot of us think, we think God's mad. I remember a number of years ago, grandma came up to me and, and she was old. She was like 60. <laughs> she was watching her grandson. I know that 60 is young. Okay. 60 is the new 40. Just in case you didn't know. So, so she says she was watching her grandson. She said, and they were watching a Christian television and they were in the, in the bedroom and her grandson's jumping on the bed and they're watching this, this, uh, TV preacher. And, and, uh, she says, you know, what are you going to do when you grow up? She said, he said, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be a mad preacher. <laughs> How many know some preachers are mad? I mean, it's like, they're mad at you. They want you to go to hell and they get extra points if you go. I mean, that's what it seems like. All right. But the Bible is good news. It is good news. And good news ought to be preached glad and not mad. All right? Glad and not mad. And, and, and literally, I've had people say this, oh man, we, are, we went to church and man, the pastor gave it to us. Said, what do you mean? Well, you know, he just told us this and that and we're bad and we're bad and we're bad and we're bad. You know, I, I tell you what, I believe good news ought to lift you up and not knock you down. The good news is he loves you. Right? And others of us, you know, we, we relate to God and we think the only way we can relate is if we perform well, you know, then we're going to have God's favor, right? Second Corinthians 13 verse 14 says the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate fellowship of the Holy spirit be with all of you. Now notice it talks about the amazing grace of Jesus, of the master, Jesus. You see, the reason for all that grace, there's, 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 there's a couple of reasons, but I just want to emphasize one this morning. is because Jesus understands. Right? Now you understand in prayer that Jesus takes your prayers to God the Father. Hebrews 7, therefore, he is also to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. So Jesus is praying for us right now. It's in Hebrews 3, 1, it says that he's the apostle of our confession. Jesus is bringing our confession, what we say to God. He is the only mediator between God and man. So Jesus is talking to God the Father about you right now. He's, telling, he's talking about me. He's saying, Dwayne, he's in trouble. Now he's asking for our help because he is in a mess. And, and I, I know that what he's going through, it's hard because I went through it. And Father, it's painful. I know I went through it. And Father, we need to help him right now. Jesus is up there on your behalf and my behalf. 
Job, when he was going through all of his troubles in the Bible, this is what he said. Nor is there any mediator between us who can lay hands on both of us. There's no one to stand between me and God. He said, I can't talk to God. I can't answer any of his questions. He says, I need somebody who could stand in between us. And that's why Jesus came and lived for 33 years on this earth. So he would know everything that you go through. The pain, the sorrow, the grief, the loneliness, the abuse, the betrayal, the temptation of sin. He came and he went through all of it. It says, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. In every place that you and I hurt, Jesus went through it and he hurt. Every kind of temptation that you've been through, he went through. For 33 years, he experienced everything that it means to be a human being. Jesus knows what we go through and he cares. And the Bible says because of that, that it is amazing grace. It's amazing grace, the compassion that he has for us. And so it says, let us then therefore boldly approach the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor, that we may receive mercy for our failures. Mercy is for your failures, for your sins, for where you've missed it. And Jesus is there with that amazing grace and mercy. And find his amazing grace. Now grace is for today. Grace is what you need to get you through the problem, the situation that you're facing today. Grace is God's supernatural help to help you right now today and find his amazing grace to help in time of need, an appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. It was an old song that said, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you. And if we understood what God is offering us in this relationship with him, we would be there every hour. And it talks about the extravagant love of God the Father. And again, many of us, our, our, our idea of God is polluted because of our earthly father, right? We think of him and we think of pain, rejection, abuse. He was cold. You didn't even like him, right? But that's not what our heavenly father is like. In fact, the Bible says that he is Abba, father. It literally means daddy, daddy, right? And, and he's so different. Paul said, I bow my knee to the father. I bow my knee. And that's what a Jewish family would do. They would come before the father and they would bow. And the father places his hands on them and blesses them and then picks them up and embraces them. That's the picture that we receive in the book of Ephesians. Right? We need to be healed of a bad image that we have of God. And it may be you need to forgive someone so that you can be healed. But the Bible says he is compassionate, God the Father. He's gracious. He is slow to anger. And he is abounding in loving kindness. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. How many of you are glad that God doesn't give you what you deserve? As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, 
so far as he removed our transgressions from us. You know, if you go north or south, you go north, eventually you hit the North Pole and you start going south. You go south, you hit the South Pole, you start going north. But you can go east or west forever. And that's how far he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And he delights to give good gifts. Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father? Right? We need to change our view of God to have a right relationship with God. And then the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and that we're to have an intimate relationship with him. He's the one that Jesus said is our comforter, our advocate, our intercessor, our counselor, our strengthener, our standby. He's the one that comes alongside us. He guides us. You know, when you get that check in your spirit, you know, you shouldn't do that. Don't trust that. Go in a different direction. You know, the ideas, they come from the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 1 John, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, right? And that anointing, it teaches you. That's the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, right? The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Dr. Cho, who pastors the largest church in the world, he, every time he has a service, he sits on the platform and he brings a chair and puts it right next to him and it's empty. And he says, that's for the Holy Spirit. He's welcome and we're going to do what the Holy Spirit says. And I love what he says. He says, the Holy Spirit never talks to smart people. He said, if you've made up your mind, he'll let you go. But if you ask him, he will show you what to do. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Say, so, would you bow your heads for just a moment?